a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in fury. An anomaly, properties undiscernible to me. Hey, it's Pete the Planner this week on Pete the Planner Show. Hit the email back. That's right. Get a few emails from time to time. Today I'm going to read them and then answer them. That's the way it works. If you want to email me, do it. Uh, what email address do I want to give you? All right, go to email Mr. Birkenstein at Google. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. If you want to email me, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. I read these from time to time, and I answer them uh, from time to time. We get a lot. So, I look, I would love to say that I answer all of these emails. I don't. I know I should. And if you're like half the people in my life, you're like, really should answer those. Yeah, I know. But I need a couple hours of sleep a night. And so I don't. But today I am. I'm answering three. That's if you're not watching on PeteThePlanner.tv, you should because it's just so extra special. We're in a pink shirt today. All right. So this one, the first one is from Tim. Uh, uh, Tim emails. Uh, Pete, I'm new to the podcast. I've been catching up on your advice. I'm really, uh, I'm ready to invest my emergency fund into a money market, likely through Vanguard, where my R- IRA resides. I'm torn on using the Vanguard Prime or federal money market, which uh, I gather is a type of mutual fund and therefore not federally insured. I can see that the risk of this fund actually losing money is incredibly low, as it looks like even the Great Recession in 2008. The fund didn't collapse. Still, it begs the question, should my emergency fund be in an FDIC account or is the Vanguard fund still a safe choice? All right, Tim, here's your question. Here's your answer. By the way, I guess Tim will hear this on the podcast. I was just thinking, well, God, now I got to email Tim this clip. Tim, I hope you're, you're seeing or hearing this because here's the answer. All right, let's, let's, let's go to the heart of an emergency fund. Uh, specifically, I, I think people should have an emergency fund um, that is three months worth of expenses. Okay, so three months worth of expenses. And in this situation, Tim, let's say you uh, your expenses are $4,000 a month, you would need $12,000. I, I think some people should consider having what's called a two-tier uh, emergency fund. One that is readily accessible, couple, two, $3,000, maybe in a savings account uh, that you don't touch, but you could get to in a day or an hour if you needed to. And then if you want to have the bulk of your emergency fund, and in your case, Tim, this hypothetical $10,000 in another account, have at it. Now, does it need to be FDIC insured? I don't know. That's just totally up to you. Now, uh, here's what I always goes through my mind. I, I read stuff too. Financial experts say to have your stuff in an FDIC shared account. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, a money market account with Vanguard's pretty darn good. Is there a risk that it could go to zero? Yeah, it could It could uh, break the buck, as it's called in the biz. Yeah, I think I think a Vanguard money market account is fine. I think most money market accounts are fine. Uh, if you want to know what I do with my emergency fund, we have a few thousand dollars in a savings account. Uh, and then the rest, the bulk of uh, the remainder of our three months expenses is in a money market account attached to a brokerage account. Now, the big factor here for me is uh, uh, getting it out of your face, 
right? Liquidity in money is this idea that you have access to your money very quickly. If something's said to be liquid, it means you can get to it really fast and use it. If something is to be uh, considered illiquid, it means you cannot get to it fast and you cannot use it. Uh, to me, I don't need much liquidity in my mind. I would also go pretty far, Tim, in saying if you happen to be a person that has a credit card with a uh, you know a high limit or a moderate limit, then you could always use that in the case of an emergency and then take your funds out of your money market account at Vanguard uh, when the market's back open or when Vanguard is back open during the week and then deal with an emergency. I think where people get in trouble, though, and, and if we're being honest on the show, which is what we always do. Several years ago, before I had kids, and I feel like I, I say that uh, because that's when I uh, really got my head screwed on straight. Several years ago, before I had kids, I took Mrs. Planner and I's emergency fund and I invested it in a balanced fund. So a balanced fund is an actual technical instrument. At the time, it meant uh, 60% stocks, 30% bonds, and 10% cash. So it had a balance to it, right? So if the market's going up, it's doing okay. If the market's going down, it's still hanging in there. And so I didn't get burned. I did not get burned by having an emergency fund in a balanced fund. But here's what I did do. I put our money at probably a little too high risk. Because if there was an emergency, let's say there's an emergency in the economy, which then caused an emergency uh, in my uh, personal economy, then those funds would not have been as readily accessible. They would not have been as liquid as I needed because uh, they would have gone down in value. They would have been liquid, but I would have had to take a loss on them. And the second reason why that's not such a great idea, it generated some pretty nasty tax losses. You know, a balanced fund can be what's called tax sensitive. Uh, but here's the idea. Anytime you have an investment as opposed to a savings account, if you, anytime you have an investment, uh, what you end up with is uh, uh, tax... Uh, events happen within these investments, especially funds, like a mutual fund. A mutual fund, of course, is a group of stocks and bonds that, that turn over, meaning the manager of the account may look at your account and say, you know, I'm going to trade this stock for this stock. And when that happens, there could be a triggered event, a, a capital gain or a loss. And when those gains occur, it generates tax consequences for the people that hold the funds. This is a very long way of saying it is possible, and it's happened to me numerous times, and it's probably happened to you, whether you know it or not, that your account didn't necessarily go up in value in a given year, a, a, an investment account, a non-qualified investment account, because this does not happen in retirement accounts, but a non-qualified tax account. And yet, it did not go up in value, yet you get a tax bill on it because it had tax events, and then you have a net loss for the year. If you subtract off what you paid on it in taxes from the value of the account, you actually lost money. And that's really frustrating, uh, especially if it's your emergency fund. So Tim, feel free to use a money market account, but don't get any cuter uh, beyond that. Uh, I don't think it makes a tremendous amount of sense. Could you squeeze out more yield? Could you get a better return by getting a little cuter? Yeah. But you have to measure that with the risks of the moment. Uh, I, I always, again, I always think with an emergency fund, what, uh, what justifies something being an emergency? Well, I always think most emergencies are generated by the, the global economy, right? And sure, there's an emergency of like you get a flat tire. I mean, that's not the global economy's fault, right? But if there is a, if there's a real emergency, like a job loss or 
who knows what. I don't like to, to sit here and, and speculate what all the emergencies in your life could be. But let's say there's those elements. The real concern for me is that that whatever your emergency fund is has not dipped in value. Because if it's dipped in value, uh, you're in trouble. So um, yeah, money market accounts are fine. Now, I don't want to start another question because I got to go to break here in a second. But I'll tell you this. Uh, we're working on some pretty interesting stuff right now with power percentage. Uh, it continues to grow and grow and grow. We've got this sort of movement going on power percentage. If you're listening to our show for the first time, I highly, highly encourage you to uh, learn your power percentage. Go to episode 120 of the Million Dollar Plan podcast and learn your power percentage. Basically, it will tell you, are you a financial ticking time bomb or not? It is the best metric I have ever seen for your financial health. Now, here's the weird part about that. I'm so glad I invented it. I'm not kidding. This is me being honest with you. It is the best financial metric for measuring uh, how well you're doing in your financial life right now. And I'm so fortunate that I actually invented it because if someone else invented it, I would look at it and I would go, man, I wish I had invented that. But I did. And it's good. Go to it. Some of my good friends in my life who we don't talk money, believe it or not, I don't talk money all the time. Some of my friends who I don't talk money with, we just have our normal conversations about our lives and families and everything else. They have come up to me and talked about money with me for the very first time. And it's been about power percentage. Get your power percentage. It's as important as knowing your blood pressure, as knowing your cholesterol, as knowing your heart rate. It is vital to your financial health now and later. What we found recently... I was speaking to a mid-level exec in a company, an executive company, and we, we, we detected his power percentage. We calculated it for him. After doing that, going into the meeting, he's like, yeah, I think we're doing pretty good. After detecting his power percentage, we found out that it was below 10%, which is horrific, especially if you're making the money he's making. And it brought attention to how much risk he had in his life, and he didn't even realize it. Wouldn't it be crazy if like right now you're walking around thinking you've got amazing heart health? Right? You're so confident you've got all this heart health. You go out and do crazy things like sprint triathlons and eat nasty cheeseburgers and then go for a jog. I mean, do, you drink a bunch of beer. You do all these things that people do and they think they've got good heart health and they can afford a little bit of margin of bad decisions. But what if it turns out you didn't have good heart health? What if it turns out your cholesterol's terrible, you got high blood pressure, things are bad, you're clogged up, you don't know it. Yet you're doing all these risky things. Guess what happens? You're a ticking time bomb. It's just a matter of time. Power percentage in your financial life will sniff that out and help you fix it. Coming up after the break, and by the way, it's free. Like here I am selling it to you, it's free. Just figure out your power percentage. Jeez, I'm so glad I invented it. All right, coming up after the break, um, more email questions. Email me right now. I'm not going to answer it right now. I'm taped this. <laughs> email me, uh, askpete at petetheplanner.com. Uh, more next, Pete the Planner. Question the right of any man. The voice his opinion as strongly as any can. But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world, so they ain't really fitting in. I'm in the background blending in. Camouflage. 
lodged by the scenery, but I'm a champion. Revamp the camp again. Put down the stamp again. Hey, we're back on the Pete the Planner Show. It's mailbag edition of the Pete the Planner Show. Uh, if you want to email me, please do uh, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. You can send me on, hit me on Twitter at Pete the Planner. You can go to Facebook. You can go to Snapchat. Don't follow me on Snapchat. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have a friend who sends me snaps and I don't know what to do with them. All right. Here's a question from Karen. Spelled, spelled a little weird, Karen. I mean, I know there's nothing you can do about it. Um, you're 57 years old it, it, from your email here. It's not like you're going to go back and take this up with the people that named you, but the spelling's a little unique. I don't have a problem with it. I know it seems like I have a problem with how you spell your name, Karen, but I don't. Here we go. Hey, Pete. I love your articles. It seems that you never make fun of people's names. Uh-oh. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Uh, and I'm hoping maybe you could ease my fears. I'm 57, retired from my very stressful $200,000 a year job at 55. Wow. What was that? I want to know more. Don't you want to know more? Hey, Bree, do you want to know more? I do. Like uh, Bree, a uh, producer of the show, joins me now. Oh, man, the, the air moving through that room is so loud. It's like a nice wave. Are right? you at the ocean? I am. I'm Th speaking through a conch shell. Is it conch? I thought it was conch. Conch. I, don't, I, th I think the CH isn't pronounced. I think it is. All right, anyway, we're, we're, we're moving on. Adios. All right. I'm now doing contract work for my old employer part-time, earning approximately $50,000 a year gross. My husband is 56, plans on retiring at 59, and currently makes around $100,000 a year commissioned, so job, uh, so it fluctuates. We have a house worth $400,000, no first mortgage, but we have a $100,000 HELOC, home equity line of credit, with a balance of $18,000 that we use to purchase a new car for my husband. All right. Paying approximately uh, $800 per month on this. Other debt includes paying the credit card monthly balance, uh, usually between six dollars to $7,000 per month. Man, Karen, you can spell your name however you want. You're getting it. <laughs> uh, we like to uh, take two to three vacations every year, which we usually spend about $5,000 per vacation. Are you looking to adopt like a 39-year-old ginger that's really judgmental? If so, Karen, hit me up. Uh, combined assets and stocks and mutual fund accounts and 401k savings is approximately $1.7 million. Uh, that's what I'm nervous about. With my husband retiring more than three more years, I'm not able to get to Medicare until 65. Uh, I'm going to assume that health insurance will go around $12,000 a year for both of us. <laughs> uh, we'll get there. At age 59, I will probably not be working uh, my contract job anymore, and we're planning on taking out $8,000 per month for living expenses. Uh, both of us on Social Security would kick in around 66 and 7 months. For me and 67 for my husband, we both maxed out Social Security. Uh, so we should be able to receive about $2,600 a month each. According to the financial plans from my financial planner, planning to live to age 95, we have an 85% chance of planning of succeeding and would still have about $3 million when we die. So why am I nervous that I'm going to have money to retire comfortably? Can you ease my fears? Oh, <laughs> Man, this is a doozy. You know, this is one that I would actually write about in my column. But the challenge about this is, if you'd like a little uh, look behind the curtain of how I write my column, this is a great question. That that he, The challenge is, okay, so as you're listening to this now or watching this now, this might not be your situation, right? You may not, the numbers may be way through the roof. 
but actually this is your situation. This is everyone's situation. It's just the numbers are different, right? You, you may give me the same scenario and, and you know, go one-tenth of the numbers she just gave me, but it's still your scenario. It's the same concepts. The reason I can't write about this because she gave me so many details and all the details are so pertinent, I can't actually get that to a, a column. That whole question is itself a column. I won't even be able to answer it. What do I just put? Write the whole thing and write, yes. Here are my thoughts. Um, and I'm doing this off the fly. I didn't do the calculations, right? Because that would have been a good idea. $1.7 million in my mind, and I'm doing the calculations. Uh, I am going to use my calculator here. Uh, $1.7 million. I would comfortably feel as though that could generate between sixty dollars to $75,000 a year without the fear of running out of money. Okay. So the challenge with this is, is she's wanting to take $8,000 a year out of their, um, out of these funds before social security kicks in. Okay. The challenge with that is that means she's taking almost a hundred percent more than she should, like 70% more than in my opinion, she should take out. The only way this works in my opinion is if when social security comes along, they then decrease the amount of social security they take out. Um, she said she has fear and, and fear might actually be the right word here. There's, there's a major thing going on here. They made a tremendous amount of money in their lifetime. And I'm not here to argue that $1.7 million is not a lot of money. But what I'm concerned about is that this amazing lifestyle that Karen and her husband have made for herself, uh, it's too big of a lifestyle. $8,000 a month um, is a lot of money, but when you made $300,000 a year as a household, uh, A, I question of whether they can pull that off, and B, I think they need to lower it beyond that in order to actually make this a successful plan. I'm not going to argue with their financial planner's calculation of an 85% chance to make it to 95 because that's a very technical calculation. It's a Monte Carlo simulation. But I'll say if I'm looking at this from an anecdotal and a practical standpoint, uh, I think the chances are lower because I think in reality, in human nature, what's actually going to happen is that they're going to spend more than $8,000. And I also think that when they get to social security, they're not going to drop the amount they're taking out of their investments. So here's her thought. They're going to have the 1.7 million or whatever it is. Then they're going to take $8,000 a month out until they reach 66. And then instead of taking $8,000 a month out, because they'll each get about $4,000 each, they'll only take $4,000 out of their 1.7 that they started with. And then it'll all balance out together. That's the plan. That's the plan. What I see is that people don't execute that plan. They either A, do the $8,000 a month and then take out big chunks for other things like buying a car or a big family vacation or a major remodel. That's what happens. And so when that happens, then it makes it harder for that $8,000 to be regenerated without dipping into principal. Now, I, I just told you what I would be comfortable generating in that scenario is closer to 70 60, $70,000 a year, and they're wanting $100,000 a year. They're taking out uh, two and a half to $4,000 a month more than I would recommend, generally speaking. Again, not disagreeing with their financial planner. Karen, your financial planner very well may be the greatest financial planner on the planet, but it's up to you to execute, execute the plan. 
I have concerns about that though, because I don't think someone who made that much money and then trying to live on the money that you think you're going to be able to live on. I don't think that's realistic. I, I really don't. I will also say the biggest issue I see of numbers being wrong here, and I don't know how big of a deal it is, but it's the biggest uh, glaring error. There's no way you're getting health care for $12,000 a year, right? Okay, I'm healthy-ish, a little chubby. 39, my wife is very healthy, not chubby, 39, and we got two kids. Uh, our health care is uh, about 11, no, it's about $12,000 a year. Yeah, it's about $12,000 a year. And then we add to our HSA for $6,000. So we put $18,750 a year towards health care. There's no way in your late 50s to early 60s, especially with what is about to happen with healthcare in this beautiful country of ours, subjective comment, uh, that you're gonna be able to do it for 12 grand a year. I think it's gonna be much, much, much higher. That's my opinion. It's an informed opinion, uh, but that's my opinion. Interesting situation, Karen. So here's my, here's my final take on this. Yes, you have a reason to be concerned. Um, I would consider doing what we call a mock retirement. We call it that because I trademarked it. <laughs> Go, uh, go to PeteThePlanner.com, get the book, Mock Retirement or the workbook, um, and put yourself through a practice retirement. You can't go through this situation cold turkey. You have to prove the concept that you're able to pull this off. All right? And spell your name however you like. Man, this is more common than you think. I mean, people think retirement's, uh, if you made $300,000 your whole life and you got $1.7 million, you think it's in the bag, but... It's your habits. It's your behavior that dictates your uh, retirement. It's not your intelligence. It's not your income. It's not your assets. It's your behavior. Karen, I just doubt your behavior primarily because if you made that much money, unless you started making it late in your career, how in the world do you only have $1.7 million? Let's say the last 10 years of your career, you made $300,000 as a household. I, I think that's a reasonable thing to say. That's $3 million. And you have 1.7 for your entire life. This isn't me judging you or being rude. This is me saying, I don't believe that you're going to be able to pull this off at, with your current habits. And by the way, this other planning assumption that you have a 95% chance of success or 85% chance of success uh, by the age of 95 with still $3 million in the bank, not a chance. That I don't believe. That I don't believe. All right. After the break, uh, more of your questions here on the Pete the Planner Show. I am, in fact, uh, Pete the Planner. Yeah. Axe hand on the beat. Yes, sir. Glass house. Yes, sir. Mr. Kinetic, Rusty Redenbacher. ATFU. Naptown. Cashing in like the end of the game at the casino. I lean so the glare of the rear view don't hit me. Swiftly through the avenues and boulevards. Old soul playing on my speakers. Old soul but young and age of boss player. Not from the Himalayas, but my fam gave me Gary Indiana game. Grew up around the country, but the mindset was there. Ain't I won't complain about a damn thing on this beat. Axe 
All right, back on the uh, mailbag edition of the Pete the Planner Show here on whatever format you're listening to, <laughs> radio, podcast, TV. Uh, I don't discriminate. I'm trying to think how I, I would listen via podcast or radio or TV. Uh, this question is uh, a person who emailed me and asked Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. And it says, hello, PTP. Hello, Barbara. And her name is Barbara. Uh, my name is Barbara. And I'm planning on closing on my home on March 31st. That's me Padre's birthday. <laughs> as long as the inspection goes well. They don't always go well. I'm receiving about 28 grand in proceeds at the sale, uh, at the close. I have credit card debt, and I'm afraid to say. Uh, oh, I have credit card debt, I'm afraid to say. I want to pay a portion of it and bank the rest, about half my proceeds. I don't want to pay off my debt because I don't want to give up all my savings. I'm moving into an apartment to see if that's the lifestyle for me since I'm a single uh, with a grown son. What's the best plan for my money? I'm 55. Plan on working until I'm 68 at least. I enjoy working, and as long as I'm able to, I will do so. I also have a 401k of 60 grand. And lastly, I'm trying to lower my life insurance from 150,000 to 25,000 since I won't be leaving much debt. I hope. Any advice? I'm nervous because I've been a homeowner for years. I don't have the skill set to do the upkeep. My neighborhood is in decline at the moment. I live by. Uh, an identifiable location that I'm not going to give you. <laughs> All right, Barbara. All right, Barbara. Thanks for your uh, question. So much to unpack here. Okay, at 55, she's got 13 years left in the workforce. Now, how would you, you amateur sleuths at home, how would you begin to deal with this problem? Here's how I deconstruct something like this. She's made, making major lifestyle expense changes right now. So if I've got 13 years to wean her off her current income, did she give us her income? Oh, by God, she didn't. Um, our job is to wean her off her current income to eventually be able to match her retirement income. Her retirement income likely is going to be social security and whether, whatever income we can generate from that 401k. Here's a problem. Uh, she's got $60,000 in her 401k with 13 years to go. Uh, best case scenario, we can get that 60000 to, I don't know, $130,000, $140,000 with it being in a, a properly invested. Every eight to nine years, your investment should double as you approach retirement. Uh, so it takes her to 120 another couple of years. She should be at 130 140 and that's without putting another dime in. Let's say she contributes effectively and gets it to 200 by the end of the next 13 years. That's a pretty reasonable and, and rather easy thing to be able to do. doesn't sound that way, but I promise you it is. 200,000 should generate about uh, six to $8,000 a year in retirement income, which means she's going to get uh, essentially 500 bucks a month uh, in retirement from these investments. So she's going to have to go on from living what she's living on right now to social security plus 500 bucks a month from this. She can absolutely lower her life insurance. I, I have no particular problem with that. It seems she has an adult son, unless he's um, in, in a situation, special needs in which he needs her support because he's mentally or physically unable to support himself. That if she just needs enough to get her in the ground for final expenses, so $25,000 is fine. Um, she says she's nervous because she's been a homeowner. But you know what? I, I don't think 
I'm not scared about the situation. She should definitely pay off her debt and put the, the rest of money, the money in savings. But I, I think with only $60,000 set aside for retirement right now at age 55, she needs to make sure, uh, Barbara, you need to make sure that you uh, put that $14,000 in somewhere you can't get it, right? I don't feel great about this situation. Now, if, Barbara, if you're listening, you're watching this and you're hearing this, don't get upset, but you do got to make a change here right? We need to make sure you're putting a little bit more into your 401k, not necessarily because we want you to save more money. It's because we don't want you to spend that money. I know it seems like I'm splitting hairs, but I assure you I'm not splitting hairs. Your issue here is your dependency on your income. It has nothing to do with your lack of assets. You got 13 years to break your dependency on your income. That's exactly what you need to do. So, uh, all right, that's it for questions this week. We're going to come back after the break. We're going to hit uh, biggest waste of money of the week, maybe a news item. Who knows? Who knows if we have time? Uh, if you want to email me, do it. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. I'm Pete the Planner. Every day living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole even in the middle of the pain. Even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane, writing and creating for my life. And my pen is my sword given by the Lord, and I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted by myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. Enemies shall inherit the earth, and I want to inherit something, something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes. So work is what I got to do. Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks. Running with the gale force wind at my back. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. This lays great errors to rest. Let me remain calm. All right, back on the Pete the Planner show. Um, a couple notes for you this week. Go to PeteThePlanner.com. Check out the Million Dollar Plan course. As we've talked about on the show before, it is my belief, and it's not really belief, it's just math. Uh, you're going to have to be a millionaire to retire. And in order to do so, you need a plan. You're going to need to be at least a millionaire, especially if you're in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, 50s, or 60s. You can arguably get away without being a millionaire. Uh, in order to do that, go to PeteThePlanner.com, check out the Million Dollar Plan course, use code PTPTV, as in Pete the Planner Television, PTPTV for $100 off take our really intense course. Thousands of people have gone through it. And they like it. I like it too. PTP TV million dollar plan this week. Biggest waste of money of the week. The Blum is the Albert clock with calculators, voice assistance, and tip free ride sharing services. Seemingly everywhere. There's never been more excuses not to do math in your head. The Albert clock helps keep your brain active by displaying the miniature, or pardon me, the minutes and hours as math problems. It displays them on crisp white LED display and offers four levels of difficulty. So it gets harder as you shake the rust off. Available in three colors and works on the desktop or a wall. If you're on PeteThePlanner.tv right now, you are seeing this clock and I can tell you this is patently ridiculous. Like here's the thing. When you go to find out the time, math is not something you're concerning yourself with. You're not saying to yourself, man, I need to hone my math skills right now. Like, let's say I'm, let's say I'm making some rice and I got to keep the rice steeping or whatever the heck rice does for 25 minutes. 
I'm in a hurry because my roast is in the oven. Uh, my kids are screaming about not wanting to watch the same movie. Uh, my wife just got in for a run and trying to grab her a water to drink. And I look over to see how much time is left for the rice. And then I am presented with a math problem to try to figure out if my rice is going to be burnt or not. This is not something I'm involved with uh, or I want to be involved with. And for $300, the Albert clock is this week's biggest waste of money of the week. You have got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me that if I look at a clock, I'm given a math problem to tell me what the time is. Not going to happen. Additionally, I deal with math all week long. If like, this is ridiculous. Sorry. Uh, if you didn't happen to catch my interview with the CEO of betterment.com, Betterment's the robo-advisor, John Stein on PeteThePlanner.tv. Check it out. Fascinating. Now, John's an interesting guy, right? So he is the founder of a uh, now an $8 billion money manager. They manage $8 billion. Uh, they're an online investment advice site. They do it for you. You pay uh, about a tenth of what you would pay an investment advisor. And... Um, They've grown their assets to about $8 billion. They're privately owned right now. They're owned by uh, different groups of investors, venture capitalists. But at some point, as, as John shared in the interview, he will uh, want to take the company public, initial public offering, as they call it. You've, you're familiar with that, uh, which means that it would be a publicly traded stock. When that happens, all the current owners of the company um, have new valuations set on their ownership right? Which in turn means, and this isn't definite, but it's my belief. And I asked him about it in the interview. As soon as that happens, John will be a billionaire, right? Now, I don't think any different of him because of that fact, but that's just weird. Is it not? Like you may hear that and go like, well, I don't like billionaires. Okay, whatever. But I hear that. And I just think that's just weird. Right? I've known John for a few years, and he and I talk on that podcast, or on pizzaplanner.tv, you should watch it. Interesting guy. And I asked him, I was like, dude, is it weird? You're, you are currently not a billionaire. You just aren't. You're the CEO of a, a, of a, a website. It undersells it, but yeah, that's what he is. He calls himself a tech company. But dude, you're going to be a billionaire. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that if you just stay on path? You currently aren't even close to being a billionaire, but you're about to be a billionaire fascinating. It's fascinating. All right, check it out, pizzaplanner.tv. All right, we'll do another uh, question and answer episode sometime in the near future. Email those questions to uh, askpete at petetheplanner.com. And I think that's it for this week. Let's shut it down. I'll see you next week. I'm on the road all next week. I'll have good stories. I'm going to tour to Buckeye. I'm going to be in Cincinnati, Columbus, and Cleveland, Ohio. All the, the, the sea cities. Right, except Canton. I'm not going to make it to Canton, but I'm going to be in the sea cities in Ohio next week. Until then, uh, next Friday, next Sunday, until I see you again. I'm Pete the Planner, uh, and uh, we'll see you then. If you want to be on this podcast and have Pete fix your money right, then hit us up at PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You heard me. PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Log on. This is for information purposes only. It's not the Swiss financial planning device. Consult a financial divisor.
Dove released from Everest, the fresh is fresh, and you can call me E.T. or to John Tesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation. It's amazing, so amazing. I'm the reason. Uh, salutations. I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, trying can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, Salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound to travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm took me home, filled by the ink and the megabytes and the hypertext transfer protocol stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator. I push faders into warp speed, glide with ease, creating a breeze they call a black hole, event horizon, no rear view concerns. This I adjourn, and beats I burn, this I adjourn, and beats I burn. Salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, try can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it?